Welcome to The Concierge CPA. I'm Jackie Meyer, founder of The Concierge Accountant Program and Tax Plan IQ software. This is a podcast for accounting firm owners and influencers who are pursuing world-class service. We discuss their path to excellence, their daily habits, and what influences them and their work. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around till the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go, y'all. Welcome, welcome to the Concierge CPA podcast. Today I have a uh, highly recommended guest that I've had several people tell me I must interview, and that is Brandon Hall. And Brandon has had his own CPA firm for about seven years, since 2016 or so. And he, he, we actually met at 40 Under 40 at CPA Practice Advisor a couple times, and he's been a huge proponent to change in our industry And I know specifically kind of through real estate as well. And so Brandon, welcome. Tell us a little bit more about you. Thanks, Jackie, for having me on. I I really appreciate being on this podcast. Yeah, my my ultimate goal is to change the accounting industry. And I know that that sounds very lofty, um, but I'm going to get there through building a large scale CPA firm that is remote, does things differently, uh, ideally creates a lot more profitability than than traditional firms do. And we're on a pretty good path at this point. So yes, I launched the firm in 20, I guess 2015, technically, uh, but I went full time into it in 2016. I was working at Ernst & Young and prior to that PwC. So I did about three years in the big four collectively before, uh, before doing my own thing. I couldn't really, uh, I'm not really a guy that does really really well with orders <laughs> um so <laughs> yeah so pwz and ey was not really a good fit for me uh and you know i think i got i kind of got lucky with how everything aligned and the timing and stuff of uh of starting this company but yeah we're just uh we're a team of 40 us i think we've got 15 offshore um and we're just trying to continue scaling and providing our clients with great service Cool. And did you always specialize in real estate? Since day one, yes. Yeah. So it was a it was something that that multiple people who are running firms advised me against. Uh, I actually had one person tell me there's no money in real estate, which looking back on that is is kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I, I I niched in real estate. I the, the reason I niched in real estate was I wanted to know if investing in real estate was actually a way to become wealthy. So at the time, investing in real estate seemed to be this like huge thing that only the super rich were able to do. Um, and so I figured a good way to kind of see behind the scenes and see if all these gurus are actually like telling the truth about how great real estate investing is, I would just do a couple tax returns for real estate investors. And that sort of just snowballed into a much larger operation uh, that we have today. Okay, cool. Yeah, I guess I could see why people might steer you away from real estate because the compliance can be pretty complex. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a ton of value pricing opportunities and um, tax planning opportunities and things like that that you can really take things to the next level, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Re- real estate taxation is it's, it's very complex from the outside. Once you get into it, it 
once you get into it and you work in it a few years, it becomes um, pretty logical. So it, like things start to make a lot of sense. Everything starts clicking. Partnership tax is definitely still <laughs> wildly complex, overly complex. Um, yeah. Now we have a partnership team that that's okay. all they do is work with these syndications and funds and they are way smarter than I am. Uh, but I feel good about being able to enable them to succeed, right? So my focus now is just on building the platform to hire really smart people and have them come in, come in and succeed, deliver great service and earn more here than they could anywhere else. And we're, we're pretty good at that. Cool. And so what kind of, what, what brings that passion around wanting to change our industry for you? What's the why behind that? Um, when I was at PwC and EY, I, I was tracking my time. And the first, the first thing that didn't make sense to me was, you know, we were told you need to, you need to bill eight and a half hours a day, uh, in (laughs) order to stay on track. Mm -hmm. And you would end up like finishing your day in seven and a half hours. Um, so what do you do for the next one? Well, you've got to either find something to do or what some other people do is they just book an extra hour. They just like pick a couple of the projects that they worked on and they write it up by 0.2 and now they've got their eight and a half. So time tracking just didn't make sense to me as a tool. And there's a lot of proponents out there on time tracking. A lot of people that I have this conversation with will say, well, it's just another metric. But the reality is, is that unless you are time tracking to the millisecond, then you are looking at data that is not factual uh, and is not truthful. And I, as a business owner, do not want to make decisions on such data, right? I want true data. I want to know turnaround time on projects. I want to know how long something sat in a certain status. I want to know what our NPS score is, right? That's Mm -hmm. actual data that I can make decisions off of. I can't make decisions off of time tracking and I don't care how much time tracking data we have. It's not useful. It's not useful to me. So that was like the number one thing for me is just, but the other thing too was we we were billing hourly, right? And, um, in the problem, you know, I've kind of like walked back on the whole, oh, billing hourly absolutely sucks. You got to go value price. You got to go fixed price. The reality is that you can make money doing any, any type of cert, any type of billing. Right. So as long as you're making money and you're running a business, then you choose whatever billing you want to. That's what I'm a proponent of now. You have that work-life balance, right? If things are all fine and dandy and wonderful, but in a lot of cases they aren't right. In a lot of cases they aren't. And what you have to consider with the hourly billing piece is, you know, for me, I'm all about improving constantly. I'm constantly iterating. I'm constantly changing our systems. I'm constantly adding automations. And what I realized is if we're billing clients hourly and I figure out how to run a really streamlined operation, um, I will be penalizing myself for the hourly billing. And the reality is, is that the client doesn't really care how long it takes. Like, like that, there's, I forget, I had a really early experience with this where I helped somebody save a ginormous amount of money. And it took me like 20 minutes because their CPA, their prior CPA just made a mistake. So it was, it was like a home run for me, super easy. And I think I had a coach at the time that was like, okay, you just saved somebody. It was, it was hundreds of thousands of dollars. You just saved them all this money. What did you charge for it? And I was like, 200 bucks. <laughs> and they were like, do you think that's fair? And I was like, no, I, I should have charged 10 grand. And that's when it all kind of clicked to me that you know the hourly billing does not really align with value that's being provided. I mean, it, it, not really, it just doesn't align with value being provided to the client. Um, okay. And so that's what really challenged me to try to come up with a different system. So, you know, going through that experience at EY, w- working at the client site, but never seeing the client having to dress up every single day in a suit and tie, 
Um, there were just just things that just didn't make sense. Uh, the people that at least I was working with that got promoted to manager and senior manager were typically people that stuck it out rather than being the the top performers or the best leaders. Um, mm-hmm. And that didn't make sense with me either, or didn't make sense to me either. So I kind of just uh, like, I operate best when I have a chip on my shoulder. <laughs> so I have to pick an enemy and the enemy is the entire accounting industry, the traditional accounting <laughs> industry. Um, okay. Yeah. It kind of sits my North star and sets a target for me. And that's what, uh, that's what I'm setting out to do. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Okay. And so you have a podcast that's geared more towards taxpayers, directly investors, the tax smart real estate investor podcast. Yes. Do accountants also listen to that? We have a lot of accounts that listen to yeah, it. Yeah, yes. I would think so. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, every, Tell me a bit about that. Yeah. So we, we do a weekly podcast episode. Uh, I started it in 2016. I was a guest on the bigger pockets podcast, which is this really big real estate podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and my lead flow went from, I think I was getting like two leads a week to 20 a week overnight. And that's when I realized the power of, uh, of these, like kind of th- these digital marketing assets that you consistently contribute to. So I launched my own podcast, but I was like trying to do everything and was not able to keep up with it. So I would like release two episodes and then go two months without it. Um, and that, and I kind of followed that pattern for, for probably a year and a half until I hired who's my now partner, Tom, and my co-host on the podcast. And he said, the one thing that I want to do, the one thing that I want to do here at this firm is get this podcast to be consistent. Every single week, we have to release an episode and it will pay off. So I was like, okay, whatever. Well, as long as you you schedule it, you set it up, I'll show up for an hour and we can record. Uh, Multiple years later, now we get 130,000 downloads a month. It generates hundreds of leads for us. Um, and it's a major part of our branding. And uh, it just, it's, it's wild how much it's grown. So I, I tell people like you, you need a podcast or you need a YouTube channel and you got to contribute to it on a weekly basis, multiple times a week if it's YouTube, um, build the channel out because in two to three years, and I know it's a long time, you will have an asset that produces leads organically. We don't have to, we could stop producing our podcast today and the podcast will still, we would lose some monthly plays, but I, I guarantee you we'd still get a hundred K a month. Um, and, and people would still be knocking, knocking down our door, trying to become a client. So um, yeah, but we, we talk about, we basically just try to break down complex tax topics for landlords and so we've actually had had quite a few tax pr- practitioners reach out to us saying, "Man, this is so easily explained. Really appreciate it." Um, but we do we we will dive deep into things like Section four sixty nine, real estate professional status, material participation, all that stuff. Awesome. Now, with all these leads that are flowing in from the podcast, et cetera, how do you tend to pre qualify clients to be a good fit for your firm? Great question. So we have a we have an intake form. And based on how people fill out the intake form, they are given a score by our software. So the score is one through 10. I think uh, Tom runs this piece, but I'm pretty sure eight, nine, and 10 are like highly qualified. Let's get them on the phone now. Um, Six, sevens are we need to further qualify before we offer the phone call. And then anything below a six is typically unqualified. We will, we will send, so we've created automated emails that go out based on the score that they receive. So they fill out the form, they receive a score automatically based on our preconceived rankings, and then they get one of three emails. Uh, the low end of the spectrum, we push them to our information business, which has courses and a paid membership group. Nice. The middle end, we're trying to qualify them. So we're trying to say, hey, 
you filled it out this way. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. The top end, we're saying, get on a call right now. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. And what app are you using for that scorecard or whatever? Is it custom designed? HubSpot. Oh, HubSpot. Yep. Okay. Very cool. Yep. Yep. HubSpot has lead score. They call it lead scoring. Yeah. They have that integrated into their platform. We were using HubSpot for a good, I don't know, 12 to 18 months before we implemented this, before we realized we could do this. Mm-hmm. And then it took us a while to actually figure out how to do it. But now it's, it's working really well. Okay. So what's like, can, do you know a specific question that you asked that really helps pre-qualify somebody? Is it like how, you know, what's your net worth? Um, mm-hmm. How many properties are you invested in? That kind of stuff. Exactly. Yep. You're right on it. So we, we ask a series of questions around what does your portfolio look like? What does your net worth look like? What's your current income? What are you trying to do in the future? Um, and we have drop downs, right? So what we used to do is like, Hey, give us additional information, type it all out. And they would put a lot of great information in there, but we started making those drop downs and selections that way, you know, and we would make ranges, you know, 250 to 500 K or 500 K mm-hmm. plus. Um, but when you, when you make it selections like that, then you can assign scores to it. Uh, so we were able to kind of work through a, a multiple variances of when people fill out forms in XYZ manner, are they highly qualified or not? We have this huge lead database that we were able to retroactively apply it to and kind of see how well it lined up. So it, was, it, it, it ended up being an awesome project for us. But yeah, we just ask, what are you involved in today in a bunch of different ways? And what are you trying to do next year and in future years? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure you know this, but like 95% of firms don't have any kind of pre-qualification process. And yes. so they're just wasting all their time answering the phone and a- answering questions for free with people that are, that are never the right fit for them. Um, yep. so that's, that's awesome. You have that. So and, and that, that- and, and I'll just say that used to be us. I mean, when I first started, I, I spent an hour and a half on every single call. Um, yeah trying to answer every single one of their questions. And what I realized is that's not a sales call. That's just me trying to be nice and thinking that I'm doing the right thing. But at the end of the day, a sales call is a 20 minute conversation. It's a, tell me about your problems. I'm going to tell you the solutions we can offer. And then I'm going to handle any objections you have. It's a 20 minute conversation. And so once you kind of think about that, it's like, okay, well, how do I make sure that I only have the highly qualified people on those 20 minute conversations? And then you kind of start working backwards to build out all that scoring. Mm-hmm. Cool. So since you want to be different and you want to influence the industry, I'm going to get really specific here. Let's talk a little bit more about where your workflow goes after that. So let's say you've pre-qualified a client, then you schedule, do you have a sales team or is it Tom or who's doing these sales calls? Yes. So we have a sales team. Um, the calls get automatically routed to them and then the emails automatically go out to do the scheduling. So everything's automatic. It's out of the hands of the salesperson. The meetings just populate on the salesperson's calendar. And so then they'll go every day and prepare for the calls and kind of read about the person, look them up on social media, make sure they know who they're talking to. Once, once they go through that process, the salesperson will present the options to join our firm. Um, the client will pick an option. They will receive a proposal and then the uh, admin team will onboard them once they sign. Um, so they'll sign the proposal, admin team onboards, and then they get to schedule a kickoff call with a CPA. So our CPAs are not involved in the sales process, mm-hmm. um, at least for new clients. We are we, we do involve them in the sales process for relationship uh, management purposes, for like referrals and expansion revenue and stuff like that. But for new business, it's all generated organically. So we funnel it all down to our sales team. They handle the sales and then they will assign um, to a CPA who will take it from there. 
Okay. And when you say they present them with the options, are there kind of, you mentioned fixed fees. Are there kind of different package levels that you put people into? Yeah. Yeah. So we have three options. We have, so, so when a client joins us, they have to come on for either advisory services, what we call advisory services or accounting services. It has to be one of those two. We're not going to, excuse me, we're not going to do tax preparation um, unless you've purchased one of those other services. So when a client comes on board or when they're going through the sales process, I'll talk about our advisory services. We have three advisory options. Um, the lowest one is $5,000. So it's, I think it's like 5,000, uh, 8,000 and like 11,500 something. I think it scales like that. 11,500 11, is essentially, you know, all in all encompassing support, whatever you need, whenever you need it, excluding tax prep. We're not going to price tax prep in that. So that that'll be all separately priced. Okay. Um, and then it just scales down. Most of the folks buy our five thousand and our eighty five hundred dollars plans, um, but we're very good at executing them. So our hourly rates are extremely high uh, if you were trying to calculate that. But what we do, so so if I'm if I'm a client, I'm going to pick the five thousand dollars plan um, that gets me sixty days of planning. So we run through a kickoff call, a couple strategy calls, and then we give them a blueprint. What we call a blueprint. We're trying to like stay true to the industry. Um, so you get a blueprint to walk you through all the different uh, tax strategies that we've discussed, how it, how it applies to your situation. Uh, and then after that, you have the remaining like 10 months uh, of just support as you need it. So we'll have a couple more calls. We've got email support in there. We've got a couple other things. We give them access to our community where they can meet other investors. Um, and we charge 5,000 for that. So if you sign on to that right, engagement- the, Tell me, what's the community? So, so we have an information business that we launched in 2020. And at first we just, uh, we were selling courses. So okay. like we, we have, we have 300 leads coming in a month, right? Well, only we're, we're only selling 30 of them or so on these mm -hmm. plans that I just described. Um, so every month we do sell 30 people, <clears throat> but my question was, what about the other 270? One, I want to monetize that, but two, I want to help those people understand like, like complex topics. So how can we do that in the most effective way? So yeah. we launched a bunch of courses uh, and that was pretty successful. And then we, we had the question of, well, how do we keep them in our ecosystem? How do we create this like community aspect? And so now we have a paid community that typically people will go through the course and they'll come and join us in the paid community. And it's, it's an online forum where there's a bunch of resources. They can network with each other and meet people. Um, and that's pretty, that's been pretty successful, but it keeps them oh. there. Mm -hmm. in our ecosystem. And then when they're ready yeah. to use our services, they pop out and they sure. go to the actual advisory and stuff like that. So, Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So sorry to interrupt, but yeah, so they typically go for the 5,000 package or the one right above that. And then tell me what else is part of that. Yeah. So the $5,000 package, we charge a, a $500 non-refundable fee for, for signing on. Uh, but then there's a, it's typically like a 60 day wait to start. Um, I love a 45 to 60 day wait to start because it provides the sales team with the leverage of urgency. Mm -hmm. um, we only have two more slots for February. You better sign right now. Otherwise, your start date is going to be March. So all of a sudden, we have a lever that we can pull to get people to sign. But it also communicates to the client that we're more of a premium brand because we can't just start with you next week. Mm -hmm. um, so, But what we do is we lock them in with a $500 non-refundable fee. Uh, and then we build the net, the remaining $4,500 whenever they have their kickoff call in whatever future month. Um, so they go through the, the advisory and through that process, we will, we will sell them on tax preparation. 
uh, and we will enable, we'll set our tax team up so that they can have a good compliance relationship as well. And then every year going forward, we would uh, we would sell them on what we call ongoing advisory, which is a cheaper, um, more cost-effective way to continue providing advisory services to them. So it's like $2,500 a year versus 5,000. <clears throat> okay. And so how are you, how do you price the tax preparation? So tax preparation, we started with a calculator based on the number of hours that we expected people to, um, to be preparing returns. So we, we really tried to think through, so we didn't have a basis for it and I didn't want to get blown out of the water by not knowing how to price a return. So I started with, well, how many hours does it actually take for an associate to prep, a senior to review, a manager to second level review. And so we kind of created a formula and we used that for about two years. Um, that was that was 2017 and 18. By 2019, we had enough data where we could start actually looking at what, what are the components of real estate investors tax returns that really drive the price differences, either increases or decreases. And then we started playing around with like fixed pricing, assigning fixed prices to all these different components. And now we're at a point where we're really good at it. Um, and but when I say really good at it, I mean, we're charging uh, uh, pretty premium prices for our clients. Our clients are okay paying them because we've got it down to a science where we can provide a great service and a great delivery um, and also make sure all the real estate components are rock solid in their return. But, uh, but it's all, it's all fixed pricing now. So now it's just, it's been multiple years of just raising prices, um, per different components, mm -hmm. uh, raising, a, raising the base price, testing out different ways to fix price tax returns. But it did start with a, how long do we think this is actually going to take to prepare? Mm -hmm. Okay. Gotcha. And so when you're, when you have that kind of, uh, let's call it the advisory fee or onboarding fee, they pay that whether they're going to engage you for tax prep or not. And then the tax prep is just kind of like an add-on service at yes. that point. Okay. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yep. Cool. And so our average client will bring in, I think it's 12,000 a year. Uh, it's 12,000 for the first year. And then it's, uh, it's like 9,000 every year going forward. Awesome. Yeah. And that's a pretty simple formula. If people are like, well, I want to make this amount per year, we'll back into how many clients you need at what price point annually, right? And then you've exactly. got, yeah, I mean, you've got your your formula. So what's your next big thing? Like, what's your goal for 2023 and forward? So 2023, we are going to be, so in 2023, I want to focus on really nailing the client experience. So people, people have come to us, um, our advisory team has a 9.73 average net promoter score out of 10. Um, so that, that $5,000 advisory package, we just absolutely crush it. Yeah. Um, our accounting oh, I can team. Imagine. I mean, if you're giving, you're get, doing cost eggs, you're doing real estate professional, right. you're showing tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands in value, right? Yeah. Well, yes, but also these advisors have just like, you know, so, so, I set up our tax planning originally um, and and got a lot of great feedback because of that. And then my partner, Tom, took it over and sort of systematized it a little bit more. And then my VP of operations, Blake, he stepped up. He was the advisor at the time. And then he stepped up into this sort of management role. Um, but now we have a team of advisors. And these folks just like, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it other than they've just figured out how to provide like the Disney level service to their customers. Um, I mean, they go way out of their way to build relationships. People will like 
tell them all about their kids and their family and invite them places to weddings and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's wild. Uh, it's a way more than I could do because I'm more of like a logical kind of hard driver yeah. sort of person, but I'm seeing their success. I'm like, we need that everywhere. So that's the big goal for 2023 is to roll that, roll that type of experience into our tax team and our accounting team um, while simultaneously preparing to scale big time in 24. So I'm actually lever I'm pulling back on the growth expectations in 23 because I really want to nail that experience piece and then we'll yeah. blow it up again in 24. Awesome. Okay. Several questions. So um, tell us with your net promoter score, how often are you asking clientele for that? And how do you ask for that? So for the advisory team, we ask after that first 60 days uh, or at really after the delivery of the blueprint. So it's after the planning okay. phase. At their high, at their high moment, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. High. yeah. Um, and then for the tax team, it's whenever we deliver the return. So we we try to send the NPS whenever we deliver. Um, the advisory team, we also send the NPS at the end of that engagement. So they get two NPSs for that 12 months. The accounting team, we have very sporadically sent the NPS. Typically, it's me calling our top clients and just asking like, hey, what are we doing well? What can we improve on? But next year, we're going to be sending it once a quarter. And so what we're going to do is collect the data for the first two quarters and then create a, an action plan to improve that score the last two quarters of the year. Nice. Okay. Love it. And then this Disney experience with your advisory team, what kind of backgrounds do they have? How, how are you finding these people? You know, staffing is a huge issue. So give us, give us some tips on, on that area, like finding great people. Yeah. So um, it's typically, let's see, three of them have been following me for a while and they sort of reached out saying, Hey, I invest in real estate and I'd love to do this. I, I like tax and I'd love to be able to combine my talents. Um, and one of them, uh, I think answered a job ad and was, but was also very interested in investing in real estate. So <clears throat> what I've learned is to be a great advisor. Um, you kind of have to be, you have to be a little neurotic about client service. Um, I I've had advisors that have not done well at all. So even after when, when the clients at their high they do the NPS and it's like threes and fours. And Ooh. you start to realize that that the reason that they're so low is the advisor is slow to respond to emails, um, doesn't answer questions fully, leaves things, leaves questions in the client's mind, um, and really just doesn't talk enthusiastically or confidently about what what they're saying. Mm -hmm. uh, these folks are so so, so the, the advisors that we have right now, every one of them in their interview expressed. Uh, great concern for failure in this role because it was something that was very different. You know, they, they kind of came out of the tax world. So they have that base, that fundamental experience, but they expressed, expressed great concern because they didn't want to mess up in front of a client. And honestly, when people tell me that on the interview, I'm like, yeah, so you're probably the type of person that I'm looking for because I need people that lose sleep at night when they sure. mess up with a client. That's what's going to make this role Extremely do you successful. ask a specific question that helps you determine that? Or do you kind of wait to hear them say it in their own way? No, I, I don't ask a specific question. I mean, I'll, I'll, with, with advisory interviews, I will ask, what are your big goals? What gets you excited? Um, you know, what does a perfect work day look like? Because I'm really trying to understand, is this somebody that can be on the phone with clients building strong relationships? Will they really care four hours out of their day? Um, and that's what I'm trying to gauge at that point, but yeah. Okay. We cool. also, we also pay our advisors extremely well. Um, 
So we give them a base salary, typically like 75 to 90 ish. And then we, uh, we give them a bonus based on how well they do on the NPS scores and the bonuses can be pretty substantial. Okay. Love that. So the bonus is fully revolving around the NPS score. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. We started doing that a couple of years ago as well. And, um, it definitely, I think rounds out everything that everyone wants to accomplish and rewards people well around that. So I, yeah. I love that. Okay. Do they get any kind of commissions or whatever for bringing on new clients? We do not currently have that, um, simply because our sales pipeline is so stuffed from our organic drivers. Um, mm -hmm but we are tracking it now. So that was a big thing in 2022 is to implement lead um, origination per staff that's like generating leads or, or referrals. Mm -hmm. So we'll probably do something in the future if it makes sense. Like we, we've got to collect more data around it to understand who's driving it, how are they driving it, what type of business comes out of it, and is that something that we want to pay on? But right now we don't. Okay, okay. And this blueprint that you're providing, is this produced by some app or is it like a Word doc that you modify or how is this coming together? Yeah, so it, it's a big template that we have. Um, I created it originally and then it's been just like expanded and grown and become amazing. But yeah, it's just a, it's just a big, uh, you, you could say it's a Word document. We have a Word document and then a PowerPoint presentation. So we have two things that we deliver um, and and it's got all of the strategies in there. And then it's got this section to write up the custom, like how it relates to the client that they, the client themselves. Uh, mm -hmm. So they fill all that out and prep it for the client. Okay, cool. You know, I hear there's this software called Taxland IQ that you might want to look into for that. <laughs> <laughs> I have not tried tax plan IQ. Um, we did try Corby and we had a really bad experience with it. Yeah. Um, so, but, but through that experience, we actually, just took a second look at what we have and we were just, we doubled down on building out our own solution and it's, it's working pretty well. Okay. Fair enough. Well, I would be happy to work one-on-one -on -one with your team to figure out how we can maybe make that more efficient because I mean, we're trying to completely uh, infiltrate the industry with tax planners and make it more efficient for people. And so, you know, we've got a really good, I think, similar mindset around all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I might have to get my team in touch with you then in 2023. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah. I'm taking the month off, month off. So maybe February. <laughs> okay. That'll probably work well for us. Okay. So we, okay. I've talked through, you've done your onboarding. You've got your first 30, 60, 90, you've added in your tax prep. What other services are y'all doing like bookkeeping as well? Um, yes and no. So we provide outsourced controller and CFO services for clients. Okay. Um, and as part of that, we'll do the bookkeeping. Um, but we do not provide bookkeeping as a standalone service. We tried and we could not figure out how to scale it efficiently. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so how do you price with the bookkeeping side of things? Um, that is a great question. I have a team of very smart people who, uh, the, so basically they will hold a consultation with the client. They'll get access to all their files. They will walk through everything the client has going on. And then they'll, the, the big part with real estate is understanding what's coming up in the next three months, six months, 12 months, because real estate uh, investors are typically pretty entrepreneurial and they're always expanding their portfolio. So you can lock into a price today that literally won't make sense two weeks from now. So they do a lot of that sort of consultation and then they'll come up with a price and they'll show the client how it scales. Um, 
but yeah, they, they handle all of that. And that's kind of the process sort of like a SWOT analysis almost is kind of done up front. Well, um, let's see anything else about kind of your workflow process or the way that you're pricing services that you think like, you know, accountants really should be doing this. The number one thing that accountants need to do is they need to pick a niche and they need to invest in one or two channels, social channels, uh, go all in on it and just talk to your niche every day, all day long, say the same thing a thousand different ways. Um, and, and you will be, you will, you will find success. It might take you six to 12 months to, to really start seeing the payoff. Uh, you know, I've, I, I don't coach as like a service, but I have coached a few people, a few, a few, um, uh, like managing partners of small firms. And what I typically see is they, they'll invest in creating a YouTube channel, and they'll do it for four months and they'll see no payoff. So they quit. But if they just stayed on for another two months, they probably would have seen that payoff or yeah. another six months. So it takes a while. But when you can build a brand as like one of the go-to people in this industry, you have pricing power. And when you have pricing power, all of a sudden you can fix price and value price at scale. Um, and you can get a lot more out of it, which means that you can hire better people. Um, you can, you can hire rock stars who will totally take things off of your plate. Like the difference between hiring somebody that is a C player versus an A player is astronomical. The A player is somebody that can, that's, that's going to take everything off your plate and then come back to you and say, what else can I do? Because I want to crush it here. And all it allows you to do is just continue to focus on building the system and the platform, make them successful, but you can't, you can't hire the A players when you can't pay them and still pull a nice margin off of it. Um, and the only way you're going to do that is if you have pricing power. So if you, if you don't have a brand around a certain niche, you lose pricing power. Um, I can charge $6,000 for the same tax return that you're probably, you might only be able to charge $3,500 for in the real estate space. If I went into restaurants, I would not be able to charge what the restaurant CPA, if that person exists, is able mm -hmm. to charge because I don't have the brand or the niche. So what should CPAs do? In my opinion, it's pick a niche, pick a marketing channel, go all in on it for six to 12 months, get the pricing power because next year or the year after that, you're going to be able to hire really great people because you have the profitability to do so. And they're going to take so much off of your plate. Um, and, and honestly, I wish that I would have known all this at the beginning. I mean, I went all in on real estate and I went all in on marketing channels, but I didn't know how to price. I didn't know what I was doing related to price. And that, that has, you know, it's cost me years of growth. Um, if I knew what I knew now, I would be so much further ahead. And of course that's part of the learning process, but that that's what you got to do. You, you gotta, you gotta go all in on a brand and a marketing channel and you got to learn how to price effectively, be the, be the top of the market for price. We are not bashful that anybody that comes to us, we're going to say, yeah, there are a lot of other cheap CPAs. We're actually top of the market. So if you want to work with the best, then this is what it costs. Right. That's awesome. Okay. Um, all right, let's switch gears. I like to ask people kind of what their, what's like one book or podcast or TEDx talk or whatever that all listeners should run out and grab or watch right after this podcast. <laughs> Uh, I'll give you two books. One is Scale. Uh, okay. it, it's kind of a similar approach to Traction, but that was one of the first books that I read on actually scaling a firm. 
Um, another book is How to Win Friends and Influence People. I re- yeah, I reread that book once a year. Actually, I'll give you I'll give you another I'll give you a trilogy of books. So those are the okay. first two books you should 100% read. But there's a trilogy of books called Dot Com Secrets, Expert Secrets, and Traffic Secrets by Russell Brunson and the ClickFunnels guys. Um, if you are if you need a, uh, like a 101 on marketing and how funnels work, sales funnels work, marketing funnels work, pick those books up. They're really easy to read through and they will open your eyes to what is possible with online marketing. Um, we implement a lot of what, what those books discuss in our marketing and in our funnels. Um, and it works really, really well. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Um, someone else that I interviewed was talking about, the marketing side and they had all their, you know, their funnels and everything all good. It's like, there's so many aspects to being an accountant and, or owning an accounting firm that we were never trained up on. We just go in with this technical experience and then you're just like scrounging around for, for bits and pieces. And the, the fortunate accountants are the ones that actually don't go get mentors or advice or coaches and then, at, you know, as you've seen, there's people that just refuse to get help and want to do it all and figure it out for themselves. Yeah. And that's where it takes so long to, to get it right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, what I've noticed is I think there, people are kind of scared to let go of the vine. Like they're, they're scared to let somebody else prepare the tax return or talk to the client, um, which is totally natural. For me, what got me into the whole, I need to be focused on the systems and building the systems. And I need my partners to be focused on the systems. What got me there was realizing, you know, I don't mind preparing tax returns and I really enjoy talking to clients and doing strategy and stuff. But at the end of the day, will I want to do that when I'm 55 years old? I don't, I don't know, but I'd rather have the choice I'd rather be able to choose to get back into it versus being forced to do it. Meaning I'd rather have a system and a platform that enables hundreds of people to deliver service at scale. Because for me, I'm all about big impact. So I'd rather build that platform. And then if I'm bored and I want to get involved in strategy or I want to do the tax return, then I can just say, hey, I'm the boss person and I'm going to do this client this time, right? Like I get to choose. And I think not a lot of accountants think that way, at least the ones that I've I've worked with on this. They think that they have to do advisory. They have to do the uh, the tax prep all the way up until you know the day that they retire. But that's just not true. It's also low leverage time. The highest leverage time is working on the systems that enable multiple people to succeed, not mm-hmm. just you. And when I realized that, I realized, okay, I need to know how to build the system. So that's when I picked up the books like Scale. That's when I picked up all those marketing books to understand how to drive leads to the platform that I'm building that make other people successful. So I think it's just it's just a mindset shift. It's really, it's really asking yourself, do I really want to be doing tax returns when I'm 55 years old? Uh, do I really want to be talking to clients when I'm 55 years old? And maybe the answer is yes, but I can also guarantee you that you will feel a heck of a lot better about it if you get to choose to do it you're not doing it because that's how the business generates money. You're doing it because you've built such an amazing system and you just want to get your hands dirty. That's a different approach than, well, I'll prepare tax returns until the day that I die. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. And so with earlier, you mentioned having kind of two main social platforms that you're on when you're communicating this kind of information and recruiting clients or whatever. And so for you, that's your podcast. And then you have a pretty big following on Twitter, right? Uh, is it at B Hall CPA? 
It's at, yeah, it's at B hall CPA. So that was, um, tw- Twitter was a, uh, and it's, it still is. I'm just kind of like sharing some information as I go. Um, you know, it, it's, I don't have anything to sell people. Like I don't, I coach two people and that's it. I, I don't have time to coach more people. Um, so, and I'm not rolling out courses for CPA firms or anything like that. So if you want to learn about what I'm doing, you can check me out on Twitter and I've got, uh, a newsletter as well that I send to accountants, but I, I had some, I posted one thing one time and I had some people going, Oh yeah, you're just trying to sell coaching services, but I promise you, I've got nothing to sell you. So check me out on Twitter, but on for real estate, I, um, I've tried a lot of the platforms. I mean, the podcast is the big one. We have a Facebook group that has 14,000 or so investors in it. Nice. Um, and yeah. then we have a U- yeah, and then we have a YouTube channel with like 11,000 subscribers. And YouTube is actually what we're going all in on in 2023. So we are going hardcore into it. We're loading up on good equipment. We're, we're hiring people that can help us do videos. We're really trying to go all into YouTube, get the SEO rolling, and then get the YouTube shorts rocking and rolling as well. Okay. Tell me why, like, do you think that's going to get you into a different segment of the market or what? I think that, I think that anything that you can do, anything that you can do to expand your brand, um, you should do, but video is like the number one way to do that. Um, so you, YouTube is the second largest search engine, uh, and, and it just drives incredible results. I mean, we, we have great results from our 11,000 subscribers. The question was, if we could make that 100,000, how much better would that be? So we, we connected mm-hmm. with a few folks in the industry that like like that are accountants that have 100,000 subscribers. And when they start talking about the results, you just realize this is, this is what you have to do. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's another channel that we know that we can do effectively and consistently. I guess that's the big part. We know we are on video all day long the videos that we've produced previously have been pretty good. So now we're saying, okay, we know that we can do this. We know that we can do it on a consistent basis. Let's go all in on this third channel. So we've got Facebook, we've got our podcast. And now we're gonna have this big YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, So you mentioned kind of contacting some other people that have already done that well. Are there particular mentors that you really respect in the industry or um, outside of the industry that have really helped you kind of become who you are? Uh, I have had business coaches since day one. I'm a big believer in having somebody that's 10 steps ahead of you, help you avoid the potholes that you will most certainly fall into if you don't have them to bounce ideas off of. So, um, so I have two business coaches today. One is an industry insider that sold his firm for a lot of money. Um, and, uh, and now he's just kind of coaching a few folks. Uh, another one is outside of the industry, uh, in the real estate space, but not running an accounting firm. So it's um it's like a title and escrow company. And okay. that that firm is I think greater than a hundred million dollars or so. So the, these folks are like like people that are running businesses or or sold a business that I want to scale mine to, the size that I want yeah. to scale mine They've to. They've been there, and done that. They're not just all talk, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I can't I I really struggle. Uh there there are there are people in the accounting industry that there are coaches and consultants, even at the larger levels, where the consultants themselves have not actually run a firm. And it doesn't mean that they can't bring good ideas to the table. It just means that they might not. There's some, there's that last little piece of it that they don't get. It's and and that can be the difference between, you know, making a million dollars in profit a year versus 500k. Um, and so I, I've noticed that with the the coaches that I have that are running large businesses. You can just tell 
that they know they know the intricacies so well that they help you avoid those potholes you're not going to see. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, we just hired a strategic advisor for Tax Plan IQ that uh, grew and sold a SaaS business for 30 mil. And so you're yeah. like, that guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. You need those people. You really do. And yeah, I, I was just on Twitter the other day. Somebody, I think I said on Twitter, hey, you, you need these people. And somebody was like, well, I, I want this, but I want it for free. And I was like, if you want it for free, then you're, you're missing out on, I mean, I pay, I pay a lot of money for these. Oh posts, yeah. But I, it's a premium. You you my board of directors. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, and, and the other thing too, is like, these people are not like running these huge coaching businesses. They're just doing it with a handful of people. So I want to be the person that shows them, I really respect your time and you're going to pick up the phone when I have a problem. Right. For sure. Okay, cool. All right. So this is kind of a loaded, uh, one of our final questions, but I had so much other stuff to ask you. I'm curious if there's some kind of big challenge that you've overcome in your life or something that people maybe don't, you don't talk about a whole lot that has really kind of molded to who you are today. Um, I've overcome quite a few challenges and they've all molded me uh, and, and made me who I am today. Um, I've been lucky in a sense to overcome a lot of people problems very quickly or very early in my career, uh, in scaling this business, I've had to deal with making mistakes, promoting people to positions that they cannot execute in. Uh, I've made that mistake many times, and then I'm the one that has to then deal with the mistake and, uh, and handle that. And that has, on the on the negative side, you know, it, it it disrupts people's lives. On the positive side, I'm 32 years old and I feel like I've got an MBA in leadership um, simply because I have so many repetitions dealing with that. So I would say the the major challenge that I have overcome is making promises to people that I cannot actually fulfill. Mm. Um and it's not in, it's not malicious. It's not intentional. I just, yeah. I tend to get really excited about, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I get really excited about growth and business and all this stuff. And so I'll say things in passing, like, oh my gosh, like one day we're all going to be partners. We're going to be making, you know, $500,000 a year. It's going to be awesome. But in doing so, I've made a promise to whoever's on the other side of that, that they're going to be a partner. Mm -hmm. And what I learned is that you might not actually have the capability to execute at that level. And so right. I have to, I've, I've learned to be very careful with my words um, to not accidentally make promises that I cannot later fulfill because nobody wants to do that. So that's probably been the biggest leadership lesson for me is um, you know, how do you, how do you be excited and, and really pull everybody together, but at the same time, not overpromise something because the reality is, is like, I can't be more invested in somebody's success than they are themselves. And oftentimes I, I tend to be more invested in somebody's success because I get, again, extremely excited about the vision in the future. Sure. But this person might just want to be an accountant. So Yeah. Now, do y'all practice EOS? Because you're, you know, you're describing like the visionary tendencies of, yeah. <laughs> of EOS, right? Yeah. So I've read Traction. Um, we have used things from Traction. But, uh, but we don't like, we don't adhere to it. I, uh, we, we, we have a bunch of different things that we do, um, from a bunch of different resources and knowledge bases that we've learned from. Yeah. Gotcha. That's kind of, I, I had a little bit different struggle as a visionary myself, um, with 
giving people work and then like kind of undermining them by doing it myself or taking it back. And, and oh. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of my big lesson learned from that perspective. Yeah. Um, but also you're right. I mean, you can lead, you can lead them to water, but you can't make them drink. And it's really right. frustrating, uh, when you see so much potential in someone, but you're right. I mean, it's up to them. It's their choice at the end of the day, what they want to be or what they want to do. And sometimes it doesn't align with your vision of that. Right. Yeah. And, and my, my problem with that, like what really, what has gotten me into quite a few problems that we're finally we've we've now worked through uh so big learning lessons for me over the years but what's gotten me into pinches is i will be the one that gets excited makes those promises in passing not intentionally but i do it and then i realize when push comes to shove okay now i have to give this person what i promised or i have to uh, ignore my own value chain, right? So one of my core values is delivering on promises. So if mm -hmm. I've made this promise, I have to go and deliver on the promise now, yeah. even if you might not be able to succeed at that level, because that's that's my core value. And and that was not made clear to me until a couple of months ago when I had a consultant make that clear. And I was like, that is why I struggle so hard. I with love this. that. Yeah, no. So that goes back to my whole problem <laughs> as well. Like one of my core uh, values is trustworthiness. Mm -hmm. And so, but what I was doing by undermining my team, by taking back the work is saying, I didn't trust them at all. And mm -hmm. so it was like completely undermining your own core value, which is insane yeah. sometimes, but it takes yeah. an outside person or coach or consultant to sometimes point those things out. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, it blew my mind when I, I was like, that's exactly what's been going on. I've, I've accidentally made these promises and I feel like I have to fulfill them, even though I know it might not work out because I don't think that they're ready. And, uh, and that has been huge, huge, huge mindset shift for me. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, it's, this has been a really fun conversation. Hopefully we can do it again sometime. I've got a billion other questions I could probably ask you. Um, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you after this, if they would like to just follow me on Twitter, uh, at B hall CPA. You can also check me out on LinkedIn. If you want to follow me there. Uh, I don't know what my LinkedIn thing is, but it's, you know, Brandon hall CPA. You'll find me. Sure. Okay. Thank you so much, Brandon. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jackie. Thank you for listening to the Concierge CPA hosted by Tax Plan IQ. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. If you are a successful accounting firm owner or influencer who would like to be on this program, please visit JackieMeyerCPA.com, J-A-C-K-I-E-M-E-Y-E-R-CPA.com to apply. Please share this on social media and rate us so we can continue our good work. Join our Facebook group called Accounting Firm Influencers or connect with me on most platforms under Jackie Meyer CPA. Thanks for being accountable to transforming our industry today. Thank you.